Turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. That should be an easy one to find. Genesis, I'm going to be reading from chapter 11 here in just a moment. And we've been teaching and talking these last couple of weeks with you on the inner man. Paul uses the phrase inner man several times through his writings and his epistles. The inner man is what the Bible also refers to as your spirit. Little s, not capital S. Capital S is the Holy Spirit. Little s is your spirit. You were created in the image of God and God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because you and I were created in His image, it should not surprise us to find out that we too are triune. We are body, soul, and spirit. Our body, obviously, is that which we can easily identify and which all of us see. It's this the skin part of us, the flesh, the biology of who we are. The soul portion of us, according to the scripture, is where your mind, your emotions, your feelings, your ability to make choices, all of that resides within the realm of the soul, your personality. Those are soul area issues. But then there's your spirit, and your spirit is where your inner man is located, and that's the part of you that God works with. That's why Romans 8.16 says that his spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. You're a child of God. So God doesn't uh, interact necessarily at first with your body nor with your soul, but he acts with your spirit. And so we've been talking about that inner man. And if God resides in you, if he resides in that spirit portion of you, if you're born again, if you're saved and you've opened up your heart to receive Jesus Christ, then we believe that you've received him inside of you. And that really is an incredible thought when you begin to think about it, that this God that we read about in the scripture exists and lives in you. Is that not incredible? So everything you need to succeed, everything you need to overcome, everything you need to be victorious or triumphant exists in you in him. Are you with me? Because I don't believe there'd be anybody here that would say, well, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe God's triumphant. I don't believe that the Lord wouldn't overcome or that anything could hinder him or stop him. And all of us believe that God is God. Well, get a hold of this. God is in you. It's not you, but he's in you. And that inner man, that spirit, I just started thinking about all that God is and how he dwells in me and how he dwells in you. And when you begin to get that understanding and when your eyes are open to that understanding, you begin to see that God has placed what he says in the scripture is I place this treasure in earthen vessels. He has put within you that which is exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Paul said, I pray that you might be strengthened in might in the inner man inside of you and inside of me. There is limitless possibility do you want that man I do I want to figure out how I can I'll get the can open everything you need to be healed my friend Chuck everything you need to be healed God has it for you in there as he lives in you everything you need to be delivered everything you need to See, deliverance. That's why I've been saying here recently, this these last few weeks, I'm no longer 
uh, preaching or believing that revival is coming. Revival is here. It's right here. And we just got to get it out from here. Because that's where God is living right now in you and me. And that's the part of you that the Lord wants to arise and exercise dominion over all the dysfunctionalities and areas of, of struggle and strife and challenge in your life. And it can happen. But the question is, how do we get what's in us out of us? And that's what we've been dealing with here lately. And so this morning, I'm going to talk for just a few moments. <laughs> anyway, on the power, the power of your imagination. We're going to talk about now getting what's in you out of you. And I want to spend a few moments talking about the power of your imagination. Now, many of you were here on the last Sunday of 2007 when I shared with you a story about watching a program uh, on one of those cable channels that talked about the Disney organization. Talked about Walt Disney and uh, what happened in his life as he began to conceive and believe about Disneyland and, and eventually Disney World. I talked to you about how they would conceive of certain rides and certain attractions that people would want to come and see. And there would be times people would look at him and say, Walt, there is no way you can construct a ride like this. There's just no way. It's not, it's not possible from an engineering standpoint for you to do this. And he'd just ignore it and create the ride anyway. And they became so successful at doing that that NASA now at times has contacted them in order to figure out how they can break through certain challenges they have in going to outer space and distances because they have the people there that can conceive beyond what we have set up as our borders and they call these people imagineers don't you like that imagineers i think that's such a wonderful word well i believe we need to be imagineers I think the church and Christian people should be the first and on the forefront of being an imagineer. But to be candid, we've lost the ability to imagine anymore. Our generation has technology and we've got iPods and Nintendos and we can go to the movie theater and they've got these new special effect movies that are just phenomenal and what they can do and how they put all these computer effects with, with normal filming and, and all of this happens to where we don't have to imagine anymore. I mean, I don't know how you grew up. Some of you will remember this, but I grew up that I, you know, I'd pull an old uh, blanket out of the closet, get me a clothespin, drape it around my shoulders, pin it at my neck with the clothespin, and I'd run around the house being a superhero. I mean, anybody else do something like that? I remember, I remember when I didn't have a toy gun to play with, and I'd pull out an old broom handle, and I'd stick the broom brushes under my armpit and hold that out and make the noises of a machine gun. And, and, and that's how we play army, or that's how we play, you know, you played cowboys and Indians and all those kinds of things. And, and I can remember pulling out a ruler uh, from the desk and handing a ruler to a friend or to my sister oftentimes and then we'd have a sword fight with those rulers and we'd imagine ourselves on some adventure we don't do that anymore we just set our kids down in front of the nintendo or the wii and put the graphics up and they're off into their land and they're, they don't have to think about anything they just sort of experience it i remember when my oldest son clay 
was in his younger years and we went through a phase where we weren't going to let him have guns and we came to the conclusion after having a boy that's just not possible I mean you're just they're, they're going to make anything a gun I mean they'll they'll grab the dog and shoot it you know they don't care it's just it, so he had this blue saw that that was his gun a blue plastic saw, and he'd stick it in his belt, and he'd walk around with that blue saw everywhere he went. I used to kid him. I'd say, Clay, are you anticipating a shootout somewhere, you know, because you carry that blue saw with you everywhere you go. I mean, we thought that was funny until we tried to get on an airplane one time, and he's walking with that blue saw <laughs> in his belt, and he's going through the security checkpoint, and they look, and they say, we're going to have to we're going to have to confiscate that blue saw. And you have to understand it was real thick and injection plastic and had those little injection plastic Fisher-Price. And, and, you know, they're, they're taking away his blue saw. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, do you really think a four-year-old's going to commandeer this 727 with a blue saw? You know, as the guys with the burkas are walking by in, you know, and so, you know, I don't get that. But nonetheless, we don't imagine anymore. And I believe it's been a subtle strategy in our culture of the enemy to shut down our ability to master and to release that part of us that is limitless and powerful. Because you see, if you can't imagine, if you can't envision, then you will have no capacity to link your faith up to a picture that God may want to bring you to and to get there. Now I want to read to you a story that's really, in context, a story that I'm going to use in its negative sense. It's the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. You may know it, but listen to what it says here. Genesis 11, verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth, at this time, had one language and one speech. Now at this time, everybody spoke the same language. Uh, everybody spoke from the same tongue. It says in verse 2, It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain... Uh, in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, this is talking about the people, said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now listen very carefully as I read verse 6. It says, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do. Now I'm going to stop there for just a moment. I read that for years. And I'll tell you a little bit about how I got to this point in just a moment. But I started studying these words and started tracking things down. And I began to see that in the original Hebrew, that word propose actually means to imagine. He says, now nothing that they imagine to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they imagine to do will be withheld from them. Here we find the early people on the earth of one language and one nation deciding to build this tower. Now, some people believe that they were building this tower, and I believe that's probably legitimate, that, that they were trying to access the presence of God in an unrighteous way. And so God saw what they were doing and what they were attempting to do, and let's make no mistake about it that when God saw that, He was irritated at them for doing what they were doing. This was not something that He had designed nor something that He had wanted. 
However, despite the fact that he was irritated with them, he begins to say something out loud. It's a precept, I believe, in verse 6. Even though it was being used at this time for unrighteous purposes, God was actually saying, I believe that this is an aspect that has to be redeemed or brought back. What they're doing now isn't right, but indeed what they're doing can be done. They're imagining. The imagination, according to the Lord himself, in verse 6, unlocks everything. It says nothing will be withheld from them. Nothing will be withheld because they can imagine. Now, I want you just to take a minute and just rest and listen to me. Because I want to talk about the imagination. The imagination has been in some ways diminished or demeaned in a lot of Christians' thinking. In the old King James Version, if you go through the Old Testament, many times in the Old Testament, you will see the imagination referred to in the negative sense. You'll see phrases like vain imagination. Evil imaginations, futile imaginations. In fact, even when you get to the New Testament, you'll see oftentimes that we are told to cast down imaginations. Now, hear me, that's from the old King James Version, and that's how those translators determined to translate it. And so I think to some extent that what we've done is we've read that, and and whether it has been willful or whether just we sort of tacitly allowed that to take place, we've lost what the imagination is inside of us. Think about even today when we interact with our children and maybe our children have nightmares and we try to put them back into bed and try to get them to sleep and we'll say something like, oh, oh, that's just your imagination. They're daydreaming in school and they're not paying attention to their schoolwork and the teacher will roll her or his eyes and they'll go, you know, they just have such a vivid imagination. We'll make up stories. And, and begin to fantasize and oftentimes we'll say of that person, they have a runaway imagination. All of this, I believe, has, has somehow suppressed in us what is legitimate and needful and that is we must begin to imagine. We have a generation that has lost the ability to imagine. Consequently, in America, hear me, we no longer see miracles. We don't see power. We don't see signs and we don't see wonders because we get sick and we imagine the doctor. We get real sick and we imagine the hospital. We imagine the pharmacy. We imagine the -the over-the-counter drugs. We begin to imagine contracts. We imagine Tylenols. That's what we imagine. Now, I'm not against anybody that's walked with me knows I'm not against doctors and nurses and Tylenol and antibiotics. And I'm happy that they're available for us as well. I'm I'm not at all against those things. I'm trying to seize your imagination for just a moment and say, if we're going to see the power of God, then we've got to start imagining, envisioning, seeing that which only God can do. Just as the natural man, just as your natural man has senses to see natural things. Now, this is just you know, this, this isn't high-tech understanding, but here, here you are, your natural body, and you've been given certain senses to navigate or to work in life. Your spirit man or your inner man has senses to access spiritual and supernatural things. Your natural man can, can touch. We can taste. We can see. 
We can smell. All of these things we can do, and they're great to have. Are they not? I mean, it, it helps us navigate life. You don't trip over things. You enjoy certain things. You can identify certain things. All the things the natural man can do with its senses. You need to understand that the inner man, the inner man has senses too. Like conscience and intuition, discernment, perception, and perhaps most importantly, imagination. And this is the key point. I believe I put it on the screen overhead and you might want to write it down. Your imagination will be one of the links to accessing God's unlimited power that's resident in you. It's one of the links. Is, is the ability to imagine. Your imagination, it's, it's like a natural set of eyes. Your natural eyes enable you to access and navigate the natural realm. In like manner, your imagination helps you access God's will and possibility. I'm not saying to you, imagine that which is unrighteous. I'm not saying that. That's our problem. We immediately think something, when something goes awry, that something's wrong. It's like I was saying to someone the other day. Our problem in our society isn't guns. Our problem is who's putting their finger on the trigger. Are you with me? See, our problem isn't with, you know, uh, I, you know, you can use a wrench. Let's just say this. I've got a wrench. I can do two things with a wrench. I can fix somebody's car with the wrench and it gets them to church. Or I can walk up to someone in a park and hit them over the head and rob them. It's not the wrench's fault. Are you with me? You can use your imagination for unrighteous things. If you want to imagine unrighteousness, if you want to imagine your lusts and your lasciviousness and your sins, and, and, and can I just say that a lot of times that is our problem. We allow the imagination to begin to go somewhere and it begins to entice us and draw us to that which isn't good for us. Come on now, you don't think... A drug user, before they jump into blowing their mind on some cocaine or crack or whatever it is, meth that they're taking, that long before they go make the deal and do the drug, there's something in their mind that started envisioning going to do that. Well, it's not your imagination's fault. It's what you allowed your imagination to go to. We've got to begin to envision righteousness and holiness. Begin to envision freedom. Begin to envision your wholeness. Begin to envision your deliverance. Some of you don't get delivered because you've never imagined it yet. You can't imagine life any other way than as you have it right now. And so because that's where your imagination is, you'll never break through to that next level. God's calling you right now to let your imagination in Him begin to expand and to begin to see you walking in a day of wholeness and freedom and deliverance and righteousness and purpose and destiny. That's the heart of God. Your natural eyes can be used for righteous or unrighteous purposes. You came today and you're watching me, so to speak, and I'm, I'm sharing with you the word of God, so you're hearing it in your ear, and so there's some righteous things that are happening with your senses right now. That's good. But if you so choose, you could walk out of this room and you could go somewhere that your eyes ought not be and your ears ought not be. That's why we teach our children that song, be careful little eyes what you see. You know, you remember the song. And so your, your natural eyes aren't, aren't, what's the problem? The problem is what you're doing with them. Our imagination is the same way. We haven't, we haven't reached the point where we've understood it 
or attempted to direct it or even control it. So our imaginations move to the vain and they move to the futile and it moves to evil and sensual things. And so Paul looks at us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and he has to say these words. You need to cast down those imaginations. You sure enough do. But casting down imaginations doesn't mean you get rid of the imagination. It just simply means you get out of there what's unrighteous and you begin to put back in God's heart and God's will. Now let me talk about the biblical place and let me share a couple things in this area. The biblical place of imagination. I started to think about this and dwell on it and I began to run down this concept and found something very interesting because, because what we know now as imagination in the Bible was communicated in words like vision. I don't know how many times I've come to you, some of you know this, or others, and looked at them and said, hey, you need to get a vision. You need to get a vision for your life. You need to have vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I know people listen to me and they hear me, but I, I know sometimes there's a disconnect. Well, I don't, I don't know how you get a vision. How do, you, how do you do that? What's it all about? Well, vision really is just a synonym for imagination. What can you imagine? What does God's word say is his will for your life? Maybe you've received a, a prophecy that resonated inside of you and, and, and you said, yeah, I believe that to be the word of the Lord. And, and, and it's there. Have you begun to imagine that coming to pass? Can you, uh, can you imagine what it is you heard from God in your prayer time a week ago? Can you begin to imagine what it is that he's stirring in your heart? I mean, words like vision, dreaming. These words really are linked to our imagination. The most enlightening thing, though, out of all of this that I never knew. Now, I've studied the original language. I know it fluently, and I didn't know this till just this past week. As I began to study this word, I began to track some things down. That the word in the Bible that we have translated meditate, listen to me. The word meditate means imagine. I never knew that. I tended to think when I read the word meditate that it meant Think about it. That's kind of how I thought. Meditate. Well, meditate means I think about it. Okay, I'll think about it. Or it meant maybe memorize it. I, well, I'm supposed to meditate on the word, so maybe I should memorize it. Maybe ponder it. But the actual word to meditate means to imagine. It means to literally begin to put a picture with what it is you're reading and begin to envision or to begin to see that thing that you just read or that which you are meditating on beginning to form before your very eyes. Imagine it. Now I'm going to give you a story that you all know well and it's about Joshua and taking the people into the promised land. And I thought to myself, what better picture to give to us this morning as we're attempting to possess a land. And so here's Joshua. If you if you want to turn over and, and read it for yourself, I'm not going to read all of it. But in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, we find him beginning to prepare the people, or at least hearing from God to prepare the people, in order to move into this promise that they've had for some time now. And so in verses 1 through 7, God begins to speak some things to Joshua. He begins to map out. Is it not interesting that God starts to map out by using geographical 
uh, uh, touch points that Joshua would be aware of as to where the land boundaries would be. He tells them that, that from here to there will be your territory. He begins to say to him, and just remember, nobody's going to be able to stand up against you in verse 5, all the days of your life. He said, as I was with Moses, so instantly God's saying, you remember? You remember what I did for Moses? Well, as I was with him, I'll be with you too. And he begins to say, be strong and of good courage. For this people are going to divide as an inheritance this land. He keeps saying, be strong, be courageous. Observe and do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And then he says in verse 8, it's interesting. Because as he says all of these things to Joshua, he says in verse 8, one of the last things he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This is what God's literally saying. He's saying, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to your spirit. I'm also telling you to go to the word of God. And I'm telling you, you need to begin to imagine. Are you hearing me? You're quiet. I'm I'm believing you're listening. I'm telling for some of you, this is going to get you out of where you are to where God wants you to be. Imagine. You need to begin to imagine what I've just promised to you. You need to imagine what I've codified here in my book. You need to imagine the boundaries. See what I did for Moses. I'll do for you. Why would this even be significant to say? Well, if you'll remember the story, and let's just take a left turn and go back to the book of Numbers. You remember what happened to that first generation that should have gone into the land. In Numbers chapter 13, in verse 22, Moses sends out the spies in order to check out the land. He wants to get a report. They come back in verse 22, and it says that they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Heman, Sheshai, and Talmai, and the descendants of Anak were there. Verse 23, then they came to the valley of Eshcol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and, and showed them Now, this is what they did right. They showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they bring the tangible fruit. They bring something. They bring bring an object lesson. They bring the illustrated sermon. They bring it back to them, to the camp, and they show it to the people. Really, it was one of the best things they could have done. I mean, the spies get hammered a lot. But this was really a good thing they did because there they were putting it in front of the people saying, this is what is there. They were giving them an opportunity to see with their natural eyes so they could begin to imagine, wow, if that's just one branch... With that much grape on it, can you imagine what that one tree must be like? And if that's just one tree, what would a whole forest of trees like that look like? Imagine. Imagine. But here was the problem. The problem came in verse 
32 and 33. It says here that they gave the children of Israel, despite bringing all that back, a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land with which we've with which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And listen, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. What they began to imagine was the giants. Wow, the dude's big. These guys are large. Look at us. And what they began to do was, the more they talked about it, the more they thought about it, the more they gathered together. They had their little committee meeting, decided they were going to hash it around. Of course, they thought they probably were exercising wisdom at the time and prudence. But they were going to have this little meeting together. And by the time they got down discussing the whole thing, they had envisioned themselves, they had imagined themselves as grasshoppers. And the minute the Bible says that they imagined themselves as grasshoppers, they were. They were, and they knew it too. The giants knew it too. Folks, I'm looking at you today, and as you imagine, so you shall be, and so it shall be as everyone looks at you. Today is the day you've got to say to yourself, I break small thinking. I break limited understanding. I I serve a big God, a great God. He lives in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There is nothing that can stop me. There's no giant. There's no mountain. There's no challenge. There's no nothing that can stop me because I can begin to imagine. And and the two guys, the two guys that had it together the whole time were Joshua and Caleb. And it's interesting because Caleb, 40 years later, when Joshua goes to him and begins to interact with him, 40 years later, when they talk together with each other, Caleb looks and he uses these familiar words when he says, years ago, I saw that mountain. Years ago, I saw that thing out in the distance. And to this day, I still declare it. Give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. He didn't see giants. He didn't see battles. He didn't see all the challenges. All he could imagine was him living on that mountain. And how many of you know Caleb got to his mountain? He kept that promise in his imagination. For most of us, when we imagine, it has to do with the fear. We imagine our fears. We imagine the problem. We imagine our jealousies, our envies, our anxieties, our worry. What if? What if this happens? What if? I mean, the trap door could open up and we'll all fall through it. You know, we need to talk about these things. God knows it could happen. Well, anything could happen. Jesus could come back tomorrow too. But we've got to imagine the heart of God in the earth. But if we don't, is it any wonder that we continually face that obstacle. Let me give you a practical illustration. Are you, are you following me in this? Book of Philippians. I just started reading things different. Philippians 4 verse 6. Listen to this. Something very, very simple. Everybody faces it. You face it. I face it. We all face it. Philippians 4 6. You're, 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 in, you're in worry. Something's happening in your life and you're full of anxiety and stress and worry and what's going to happen and will this work out and God, are you here? And it's just one of those, you, you just plug in the issue. Whatever the issue is, it's causing that stress in your life. So you run across Philippians 4 verse 6. And it says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so you read that and say, yeah, you know, you're right. I need to remember that. I really do. And that's a good verse. And that is true. And, and I probably need to consider that more. But the question is, as great a word as that is, is that all there is to it? No. Read on to verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what are we to do? Meditate is what's in my version. Meditate. Imagine these things. You need to imagine right now as you're sitting in this safe place, you need to imagine yourself at peace. You need to imagine yourself free from bondage and your addictions. You need to imagine, begin to imagine yourself disease-free. What would that look like with no pain? Imagine yourself, those of you that are a little older, strong in your old age like Caleb. Imagine yourself prosperous. Imagine yourself at a good place in the will of God. Imagine yourself reconciled. Uh, to your uh, spouse. Imagine yourself married to a godly spouse. Quit imagining failure and begin to imagine the heart of God and where God wants you to be because His Word is true. This is no longer true for me. This is true. This is true. That's it. Everything else is subject to change. This never changes. Therefore, I will imagine what never changes. Now, I'm going to give you four things. Boom, boom, boom. And then I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to talk long. I'm just going to give you four quick things. What helps rekindle the imagination? How do, I, how do I begin to rekindle this area? Four quick things. I'm just going to shoot them out there. So get your pen ready. Number one, the atmosphere of praise and worship. The reason that rekindles the imagination is because in, in that moment you can be you can be you can be literally not in the in the sense of the second coming, but raptured in the sense of taken away in the presence of God. In those moments we worship God and we are caught up in Him when we're worshiping Him. We can begin to imagine again that life could be different. We begin to sense that we're at a different place. We're sensing that He's breaking through. We're sensing that He's in the room. And you can take those moments and let your imagination begin to be enlarged by what God can do. Number two, you need to keep your eyes on what the Spirit of God's doing. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how easy it is for our eyes to be lured. All kinds of, you know, our eyes will be lured to a problem. Our, our eyes will be lured to, to challenges. Our eyes will be lured to impossibilities. It is amazing how easy it is. I suspect it's the enemy that just sort of captures our eyes and just, just brings us to that place where we see everything that can't happen. You've got to keep your eyes on what God's doing. You've got to keep your eyes on the work of the Spirit. You've got to keep your eyes on what God is saying and doing. And when you keep your eyes on what He's doing, all of a sudden, you can begin to imagine. As you listen to a guy like Charles testify and the healings that is taking place and will be completed, you can begin to imagine, wow, if God's no respecter of persons, and He'd do that for Chuck, wow, He'd do that for me. And I can begin to envision and imagine. That it's going to start happening, not just to one, but if it will happen to one, it can happen to two. And if it's two, it could be four. And if it's four, why not eight? And if it's eight, why not all? Number three, keep company. Keep company with imagineers. 
you're always with people and, and they're your personal bucket brigade to douse any fire you get, then why don't you just trim your time of fellowship with them? Now, I'm not saying don't reach out to them and don't love on them and you got to do that. I mean, we are about people. I understand that. But there's no law that says you got to spend every waking hour with somebody who can't imagine past their nose. You got to find some other people that can imagine. Because I've always found that if you're with somebody that can imagine, it helps me to imagine. And I hear it come out of them and it starts to bubble up in me and I hear them say, why not? And then I begin to say, why not? You know what Joseph's big problem was with his brothers is that his brothers couldn't envision. See, whenever they'd see him come, the Bible says this clearly. It says that after a while, when he would come, that they would all kind of hit each other and they go, behold, the dreamer cometh. Yeah, he's the one that imagines. Oh, his imagination. It just runs away with him. Oh, oh, oh. And you know, his problem was he, of course, they were family, which may say something there as well. But, but nonetheless, his greatest problem was his whole household couldn't imagine. Despite the fact that, that Abraham imagined and Isaac imagined and Jacob imagined and, and all of his patriarchal relatives could imagine, but none of his brothers could imagine. So we've got to keep company with imagineers. And finally, number four is in 1 Timothy 4.15. And I may just read this one as we're coming in for a landing right now. Is that you've got to reflect constantly on the favor of God that's in you. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. And again, I, I, just, I just started reading things a little differently when this ignited in me. 1 Timothy 4.14. It, it says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. I'm going to stop there. Now, I know how we've always interpreted that. We've always interpreted that like spiritual gift. Okay, I'm cool. But I think that's limited. How many of you know that, that, that the gift in us is not just a spiritual gift, but it's the gift of his son? Are you with me? I mean, that was a free gift, was it not? Absolutely, that's a free, that includes spiritual gifts, no doubt about it. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. If today you would stand and testify and say, yes, I know Jesus Christ. Yes, I've accepted him. Yes, I've gone through what the Bible tells me I must do in order to receive him into my life. Yes, I agree that he is inside of me. Then do not neglect. This is Paul writing to you right now. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Which was given to you, he says, by word of prophecy, with the laying on of hands by eldership. He says, there was something that was imparted to you that way. But then he says in verse 15, what? He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident. And that word for evident means manifested or made tangible to everyone, to all. So Paul says this, number one, don't neglect what's inside of you. And he told him how it came. Don't neglect that. And he says, imagine, imagine, imagine what's in you right now. Imagine that. Some of you have told me before you're believing God for great and mighty things in 2008. And I'm with you and I agree with you. But have you imagined it yet? Or are you just hoping so? Thinking maybe, I'm just going to say it and say it and say it and because I know it's the thing to do. Are you meditating, imagining? Some of you have told me before that you believe God's going to open a door and this will be a venue for you. Have you imagined that door opening? Have you imagined what's behind that door? Imagine. 
Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be manifested. I don't know about you, but I want manifested progress. It's one thing to talk about land. It's another thing to close the deal. It's one thing to close the deal, but it's another thing to clear the land. It's one thing to clear the land, but it's another thing to put up the building. And it's one thing to put up a building, but it's another thing to fill it. You've got to imagine, imagine. It's one thing to want the job, but you've got to get the job. It's one thing to get the job, but you've got to imagine the raise. You've got you've to you've imagine, imagine what God can do. Begin to see it. Imagination is the beginning of the awakening in you of that God consciousness. You want to know how important God believes this is? Last verse, I'm done. In the book of Mark chapter 12, and, and really, it's, it's done. I'm going to read this. And, and again, I'm just, I'm just flying through my Greek New Testament. I'm reading the lexicon. I'm, I'm, I'm running down the etymology. I'm finding out what the words are actually saying. In Mark 12, verse 30, this is what it says. It says, familiar verse, And love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and believe it or not, that word should have been translated, if it were in today's vernacular, imagination. I'm not fooling you. He says, I want you to love me with all of your heart and all of your soul, and all that imagination that, that society wants to steal from you as we just stare blankly into our Nintendo screens. As we stare blankly into the next high-tech special effect movie that Hollywood puts out and we all walk out and go, wow, could you believe that? And as we're being numbed and desensitized in our own imaginations to what God could do, he says, I want you to take that back and love me with your imagination. You can't outthink God exceedingly abundantly above. You say, what if, I, what if I imagine too big? Don't you worry. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And with all your strength, this is the first commandment. The Lord is asking this morning for us to imagine again. You remember when Legacy first started? And I, and I had a, 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 a bulletin made that I, that I hand out. And I think it's still on one of the information things. And, and I didn't even realize, but it says there, imagine yourself linked up with a group of people. Imagine yourself with a people who believe that there are greater things than the moment to live for. Imagine, imagine walking out the will of God. Imagine. I, I didn't even realize I was prophesying at that particular moment. Are you imagining? Stand with me, will you please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for expanding and enlarging us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I am, I am stirring by your spirit. In the souls of men and women, their imaginations again to dream, to vision, to begin to see with their inner man. Lord, there is more promise, I believe, in this room per square inch than probably anyone of, of thousands and thousands of other places. There is such incredible promise in this room. Lord, help your people now to imagine. 
Help young people to imagine their future. Lord, whether it be in the business world or whether it be in ministry as an evangelist or a missionary, help them right now, right now in high school, begin to imagine what life could be. Let them imagine a godly spouse, a Christian wife, a Christian husband. Let them imagine that now. Anointing. Oh, there it came back. Hallelujah. The anointing. Help single moms right now to imagine, Lord, bills being paid. Help them to imagine a, a helpmate along the way. Help them to imagine, Lord, that godly companion. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. Lord, I know so many are, are facing financial challenges, but Lord, we don't look at the giants. We imagine that day when we're just not paying the bills off. But we've got enough to put into the kingdom of God and we've got enough to put away for a rainy day. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine you being whole. Imagine you being free. Imagine a day you get up and you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to light up. Imagine that. Imagine a day that you can rise up and you don't have to, you don't have to swear. Imagine a moment, a, a whole year that you don't have to get angry and lose your temper. Imagine the jealousy being gone. Imagine peace being in your home. Imagine it. Lord, stir that in the hearts of your people. Lord, I can pray it. And preach it, but Lord, stir it in them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gary, if you want, you can begin to play that quiet time. Just in the back as we conclude here, quiet time. With every head bowed right now, this is what I want to ask. If, as I was instructing today... I just want you to identify your need. You know, if you never identify your need, sometimes it's very difficult for it to be met. We, we make a lot of choices internally that never get followed through because nobody ever knew we made it. And so we're really not compelled to press on. But, but if you know right now that God's talking to you about enlarging your imagination with righteous things, just lift your hand. You're really lifting it to Him. Just say, Lord, I, I need my imagination renewed and restored and and enlarged. That's me. Let him begin to do it. Let him, let him begin to help you believe again. Let him begin to help you see again. Sometimes, you, you know, the old saying, I can't see the forest because of the tree I'm standing in front of. Sometimes it's like that in life. There's just so much being pumped our direction, it's hard. But we need these moments that we can step back one more time and let the imagineering take place. Disney ought not have anything on the church. NASA ought to come to us for answers. The world needs to come to us for answers. I believe that day is coming. I believe there's a people in this room that's beginning to imagine for their own lives and they're imagining what life could be like together. They're imagining the harvest coming. They're imagining their place in the harvest that's a good thing don't let it frustrate you don't let it frustrate you let it be the dream and you can loose your faith towards it and get the deed to it Lord right now lift your hand one more time Father right now you see him you see him you see him Lord I speak enlargement to them in Jesus name enlarge them Rekindle that imagination, Lord. Make us, as you said, the kingdom of God is 
is like a little child. And, and sometimes I wonder if maybe this doesn't even mean. Make us like children again where we used to pull the blanket and get the clothespin and we were a superhero. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. And Lord, no wonder you work with children so easily and swiftly. Help us to be like children in that matter. That Lord, it won't take but a blue saw in order for us to believe we've got a big gun. Lord, that right now, no matter what we think about ourselves, you are big in us. It isn't us. We aren't worth anything. We can't do anything. Even Jesus said, I could do nothing of myself. Lord, I can't do anything by myself. But Lord, with you, I can do anything. All things are possible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I want to do before we go. I want to pray. We've been praying for the sick. If you right now have a physical infirmity... I mean, God reduced an egg-sized cancer down to half a marble. The one under his arm is gone. That is the first fruit of many. We're not backing away from cancers, and we're not backing away from HIVs, and we're not backing away from creative miracles. We've got to keep envisioning and stepping in faith. If you need a healing this morning, I believe there's healing in the house. If that's you, just come right now. Real quick, I'm going to pray for healing right now. Come on. Charles is a good guy. And God loves him, but he's still no, God's still no respecter of persons. What he did for him, he'll do for you. Come on now, God's going to heal bodies. He's going to heal your body. Do you believe that? Right now, healing is going to be released from me, and it's going to come out of you, and you're going to get healed coming and going. Right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hey, this is okay, isn't it? I mean, we need, we need to believe for people's physical healing. This is what Jesus did. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I speak healing. You were healed in that hand, yes. And, and God loves you, but you, he's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for you, he'll do for Levy. Yes, he will. He sure enough will, and he'll do for Bill and for Andrea, for Kelly. Yes, he will. For Carol, amen. I, I can't go down the line or I'm going to lose people's names here in just a minute. Yes, it's Sarah. Amen. Thank you, Lord, right now. Just lift your hands and receive from God right now. Lord, complete healings in Jesus' name. Complete them right now. I just As I touch you, it's just going to spring up from inside of you right now in Jesus' name. It's going to happen right now in Jesus' name, Lord. In the name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name. Complete. Complete. We're not leaving one behind. In the name of Jesus, I'll come back behind. In Jesus' name, we're not leaving one behind. Lord, it's time to see the people of God whole and well. Whole and well. In the name of Jesus. Imagine, imagine being whole and well. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whole and well. Envision that. See that right now. See that in your mind. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Whole, well. Whole, well. See that, see that right now. That God can do, God can, yes he can do that. Yes he can do that. Whole and well in Jesus name. Healed, whole, well. Yes, in the littlest, in the littlest to moms in Jesus name. Thank you Lord. Whole right now. Envision that, imagine it. Begin to imagine this in Jesus name. Imagine, imagine. Imagine, in Jesus' name, I release healing right now. Let it happen. Believe. You need to believe again. Believe again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you. Hallelujah. 
Excuse me. I didn't get Gary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Whole, right now, whole. Whole in you. Healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're just agreeing right now. Don't hope. Now, listen to me. I, I, I don't, and don't misunderstand either. We use the term hope to escape our doubts. Well, I hope it happens. I hope it does. I, I, I got, I hope. You've got to stop and just say, I believe based on that book, which is my inheritance. This is my inheritance. I am tired. Listen, we'll get a report. We'll get a report from a doctor who means well, and he'll tell us we have six months to live. And we think that's it. I'm telling you, that's not the report of the Lord. That's what, that's what God said to Joshua. He said, you got to believe a good report. And that's our report right now. And that's what you've got to imagine. Imagine. Thank you, Lord, right now that healing is here. Now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm not, it's, I'm not believing it's coming. It's here. Power is here. Authority is here. Let it bubble up right now. In Jesus' name. I want to make sure if God's healing, we, we want to get these testimonies. We want, to, we, want, we want to make sure we get those on pieces of paper. You know, this is, this is where we are. I know for some of you, and this is no, don't t- take this right, but, but we'll have a pain and we'll get prayed for. Maybe the pain doesn't instantly go and then we'll go two, three, four days and then suddenly we notice the pain's gone. That's God. You understand? That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want you guys just right right there, somewhere right in there, just kind of move. Just take about three, four steps this way and three, four steps that way. And just give me a little opening right here. And this is what I want to do before we go. God heals because of his mercy and his compassion. That's why he heals. You, don't, you aren't worthy. I'll just get it out of your system right now. You're not worthy. You don't deserve it. Amen. But because he loves you and he's merciful, he heals. But here's the deal. As he is merciful and compassionate, the word says that he, it's out of the goodness of God that he leads men to repentance. And if you don't know the Lord, you can't have an imagination without the Lord who is the dream giver within you. And so you've got to repent from all the sin. You've got to turn from the wickedness and the waywardness. And it doesn't matter whether you're just an out there type sinner or whether you're just sort of this slick, sort of acceptable sinner. If you're a sinner and you're alienated from God. And it's not, I'm not making you feel bad. I'm giving you a solution to your problem right now. And, and, and we want you to be a saint. You can be just like that. And so I want you to just slip out and just join. It's the greatest thing we do here is to pray for people before you go. We love people. We'll cheer for you and we'll love you and we'll, we'll pray God's best. And you can get that um, God's plan back in your imagination again. That's you. Holy Spirit, help us in these last moments here. If there's someone that would like to just say, Pastor, that's me. I, want, I just want to be right before I go. I want the world to know it. I've, I've lived my way in front of the world. Now I want the world to know I'm going to live it your way. And that's why we invite people to come. Holy Spirit, only you can do that. So in these last moments, I hear, I hear the saints down here interceding for you. If that's you, I want you just to slip in and press through the crowd. That would be good for some to press through a crowd if you had to. And just say, that's me. That's me. I'll give you just another 30 seconds. I can only give you about 30 seconds, but that's enough. How about it? How about it? How about it? How about it? Come on, you won't be alone. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. 
How about it? I just, I just want my heart right. I want my heart right. I want my heart right before I go. How about it? How about it? Come on, I'd stay here all afternoon for you if I could. I can't. Just make the decision right now. How about it? How about it? How about it? Coming to see me, Rod? God bless you. Just come on in. You know, I can, I, can, I can imagine for you, I can imagine for you great things. I can imagine for you an incredible future. And, and, and you need to imagine that now. Don't, don't, you, don't you imagine what has happened. You need to imagine now your future and what can and will happen. You're a fine young man. Kelly, you're a fine young woman. Come on. God loves you. I See, I just, I wait on you. Say, I got to go to dinner. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm just prophesying a fast over you right now. All right. Amen. Come on. Come on. I, I really, in all seriousness, just, in, how about it? See, that's, I like it this way because then you watch the Holy Spirit work. Anyone else? I only got just a moment or two. We're all going to pray here in just a moment. Let's pray together. Everybody in the house is going to pray together. Amen. Together, let's do it. Dear Father, I thank you today for talking to me. You spoke to my heart and I heard your voice and I'm responding to it. And I'm choosing now to confess my sins and making a choice to do a 180 and walk your direction. Thank you that you receive me and cleanse me and restore me. I believe that you were raised from the dead to transform me. And I can imagine now life in heaven. I can imagine now a goodwill being worked out in my life. I receive that. Be big in me again. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on now, we got to shout and give the Lord a great big hand. You are healed, you are set free, you are delivered, you are clean, you are righteous, you are whole. Yes, you are. Amen. And amen. All right, here's what you do. Hug someone around the neck and look them in the eye and tell them they'll dream and, and you're going to dream and we're all going to dream and we're just going to let our imaginations run wild in the will of God. Amen. God bless you. You're released. I hope to see you in the middle of the week. God bless you.